Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Nice fellowship. That is who our God is. He is the way maker. Yeah, and he is the one we're gonna be talking about today from God's Word. Well, welcome to Christ Fellowship, amen? This is church. My name's Rick, and uh, I am so glad to be here with you today. Many of you know that our pastor, Pastor Omar, has been leading us through Romans chapter eight. By the way, I gotta tell you, I've, I've been able to visit other churches, and folks, I say this from the bottom of my heart, we have the best pastor in Pastor Omar, not just in Miami, but I believe in our country. And he's been doing an amazing job leading us through Romans chapter eight. And he has asked me today to cover Romans chapter eight, verses 14 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there. I think this is one of the most critical passages for all of us, whether you consider yourself to be a follower of Christ or even if you don't. It is critical in terms of your future, where you're headed, where you're going. And so I want to read from Romans chapter, chapter 8, verses, beginning at verse 14, actually verse 16, just to kind of get us started, then we'll come back and unpack it. You listen as I read to what the Word of God says. By the way, I've entitled this message today, I wish I knew I was a child of God. I wish I knew I was a child with that in mind, listen to what God's Word says. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we, and here's our key word for the day, that we are the children of God. Now listen to verse 14, backing up a bit. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, for all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Well, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And I want to set things up by sharing this with you. Back in the days when Ron and I lived in Charlotte, Ron and the girls got me a car like this for Christmas. Now, you know what this is. It's a remote control car. And it's called a remote control because the car has a receiver in it that is linked to a remote like this. And because of the link between the two, the receiver in the car is able to respond to the control. Everybody say respond. respond. Yeah, it's able to respond to the, to the control. Now, mind you, when I first opened up my car that Christmas morning, the receiver was actually unresponsive to the controller. And the reason is, is because it needed a battery. Without the battery, the receiver inside was dead. Without the battery, the receiver inside was unable to respond to the controller. So I put the battery in the car, inserted inside of it, and when I did, you could see the car, the wheels sort of jumped to life. And now I knew it was going to be able to respond to the commands of the remote control. I want you to follow me here because that morning I took my car to this playground in Charlotte. It's actually a, a, a large concrete pad where a lot of guys and even some girls would bring their remote control cars. So on that morning, there was probably about a dozen cars out there, all being controlled by other people. And oddly enough, almost all of the cars out there were red, like mine. It's almost like that was the only color back then. But folks, check this out. I knew exactly which car belonged to me. 
I mean, out of a dozen cars out there, I knew exactly which one belonged to me because the one that belonged to me was the one that was being led by my spirit. I mean, I'm sorry, by my control. Yeah. It was the one car out there that was, that was responding to my commands. Yeah, it was the one car out there that was following my lead. It was the one car out there that was being moved by my hand. And that's how I knew that car out there was the one that belonged to me. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring that over to, to the message today. Because what an image of how God knows the ones on this planet who belong to him, who are his children. And by that I mean, just like I knew which car out there belonged to me, because the car that belonged to me was the one that was responding to me. It was the car out there that was following my lead. It was the car that was moved by my hand. Listen, listen, just like that, and this is so important. Out of all of the billions of people on this planet, God knows the ones who belong to him. He knows the ones of us who are his children. And one of the ways he knows is because his children are the ones on this planet who are being led by his spirit. We are the ones who respond to his word. We are the ones who are following his lead. We are the ones who are moved by his word. So that's how God knows the ones of us who belong to him. But listen, listen, maybe even more important than that, and this is my proposition today, this is also how we know we belong to him. Amen. This is how we know we are one of his children. You see, folks, I don't have to tell you, there's something in those of us who call ourselves Christians, there's something in us that wants to know for sure that we belong to God. There's something in you and there's something in me that wants to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we are a child of God. And here's why we want to know. It's because five minutes after you die, wherever you find yourself, heaven or hell, five minutes after you die, you will know that your destination at that point is eternally irrevocable. It cannot be changed. It cannot be fixed. There is not a second chance. There are no other options. That's it. And you will know five minutes after you die that the only thing that mattered in life was were you a child of God? That's all that mattered. Did you belong to him? And that's why there's something in you and there's something in me that wants to know now before we cross that great divide are we a child of God? Now you might be saying, well, Rick, how can we know? How can we be sure? You know, maybe you're here today and you say, Rick, I, I, I think I'm a child of God, but sometimes I have my doubts, and I wish, I wish I knew for sure that I belonged to him, that, it was, I, that I was his child. Well, listen, if that's you today, I've got great news for you. Because Romans chapter 8 gives us objective evidence so that you can know today when you leave one way or the other, you are a child of God or you're not a child of God. And here's the good news. If you discover today that you're not really a child of God, you can fix that today. Amen. You can change that today. So with that in mind, I want to give us two thoughts about knowing that we're a child of God. By the way, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, it says, these things are written that you might know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. So with that in mind, I want to give you two thoughts about knowing you're a child of God. How many of you have your listening guides at all of our campuses, your phones, your iPhones? I want you to take notes on this one because this might be one you want to check back with sometime. By the way, sometimes I tell you, just to warn you, when things are going to get a bit cognitive, this is one of those. You're going to have to engage your, your mind today. But if you get this in your mind, you can get it in your heart. Amen. And so lean into this. I want to give you two thoughts about knowing you're a child of God. Here they are. Write this down. Big number one. Number one, God wants you to know 
that you're his child. God wants you to know that that you're his child. Case in point, listen to verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we might be the children of God. I'm sorry. That we could be the children of God. Is that what it says? No. It says that we are the children of God. Now, everybody heads up. Because God wants you to know that you're his child. And here's why. It's because only if you are God's child are you an heir to eternal life. Only if you're his child. In fact, listen to verse 16 again. The Bible says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now watch verse 17. And if children. Everybody say, if children. If children. Yeah, and if children, watch this, then heirs of God. Everybody say, then heirs of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, see that word if there? That's what we call in the Greek text, in the original Greek text, that's called a third-class condition. You say meaning what? Meaning being an heir to eternal life versus an heir to eternal death. All of that is conditioned upon you being the child of God. All of that teeters on that, are you a child of God? Do you belong to God? So, you need to know if you're a child of God or not because you're eternal soul's destination is at stake, is at stake. Now, folks, with that in mind, nothing gives us peace of mind any more than knowing we're a child of God. Amen? Amen. There's nothing like it. But transverse, nothing takes away our peace of mind like not knowing for sure. Let me give you an example of this. Last month, I thought my cancer had come back. Many of you know, six years ago, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. I've been six years cancer-free. Thank you, Lord. But last month, last month, folks, I thought it was back because I had the same symptoms. I had the same pain, the same sharp pain in the same spot, the same dark blood. I had it all. But I didn't know if I had it or not. So I decided to go to the hospital and take an exam, an examination, a test, a procedure, whereby when I walked out, I'd know one way or the other. I either have cancer or I don't. Now, folks, I got to tell you, picture it. When I was walking into the hospital, I was kind of walking in with a drudge in my step because I didn't know. I didn't know what would lay ahead of me. But after the procedure was over, when I woke up, when I came to, the doctor was standing over me like this with a big smile on his face. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. And he, I was kind of drugged a little bit, but he said something to the effect of, you are cancer-free. I've done the exam. It's not there anymore. And folks, what, what I loved was my physician wanted me to have the peace of mind of knowing that I was saved and that I was safe from cancer. And I got to tell you, I walked in with a drudge in my step, but folks, when I was walking out, I was almost skipping out the door. Yeah. Now listen, listen, just like that, your heavenly father wants to give you the peace of mind of knowing that you're safe, that you're saved, that you're his child. And here's how he lets you know. Look at verse 16. I love this. The Spirit himself. Everybody say the Spirit himself. Yeah, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Everybody thinking caps on because that phrase, the Spirit himself, capital S, that's a reference to God's Spirit, also known as the Holy Spirit. Don't you love it? God doesn't relegate this task of letting you know to an angel, to somebody. Himself, he does it. Now, by the way, when we hear the term Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, somebody, we all confused about that, but simply put, here's what the Holy Spirit is. Here's what God's Spirit is. It's it's the presence of God. It's simply his presence. And here's what you need to know. Write this down as A. When you got saved... 
God placed his spirit inside of you. It's amazing. Listen to verse 15. You have received the spirit. Now stop right there. Because simply put, that means when you trusted Christ as your savior, you received the spirit of God. When you prayed that prayer to, to receive Christ as savior, you, re you received the presence of God. The presence of God took up his residence inside of you. Now, mind you, you didn't feel that. You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. That is, that is a non-experiential theological reality. But at that moment, your body became what the Bible calls the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, think about it. Back in the day in the Old Testament, the presence of God was designated to the temple and specifically in this box called the Ark of the Covenant. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all of that stuff, yeah. That's where God's spirit was. But now, God's spirit is not in a box. God's spirit, God's presence is in every believer in this room. Child of God, listen, you are a walking ark of the covenant. You carry the spirit of God with you everywhere you go. But there's even more. Write this down as B. The spirit of God brought your spirit to life. To life. Listen to verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with what? Our spirit. Meaning what? Meaning you have a spirit. Now, I've been over this before, we've been over it before, you know, know this, but you are a triune person, you're a trinity. You're made in the likeness of God. And one of the ways you're like God is you're a trinity. God is a trinity in that he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet one. You are a trinity. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit, yet one person. Now think about it. Your body is that part of you that people can see. It's sort of like the body of the car, right? It's the outward part. But inside of that, you have what's called a soul from the Greek word suke. Suke is the word we get psychology from. Your soul is your psychological part of you. It's that part of you that can think and reason and have emotions. But folks, you also have a third dimension. It's called your spirit. This is what makes you different from the animals. The animals, your dog, your cat, has a body and has a soul of a sort. They can feel emotions and think. But what sets you apart is you have a third dimension called your spirit, pneuma, your spirit. And your spirit is that part of you that makes you God conscious. Your dog is not God conscious. Your spirit is that part of you that can communicate to God, that can receive God's love, that can know God, that can have a relationship with God. That's the part of you. But folks, here's, here's the bad part about your spirit and my spirit. Here's the bad news. When we were born... Our body was born alive, but our spirit was born dead. The Bible says it was basically stillborn. So consequently, our spirit, because it's dead, is unable to respond to God. It's unable to receive messages from God, to communicate, to have a relationship with God. But, 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 but check this out. The moment you got saved... The moment you received Christ as your Savior, not only did the Holy Spirit come into your life, come into your body, but he also raised your dead spirit yeah. back to life. Oh, no. It's sort of like the car. The, 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 the car receiver was dead. It was unresponsive. But when I put the battery in it, it jumped to life, and now it was able to respond. Listen, when God put his spirit in you, his spirit brought your spirit to life, and now your spirit and God's spirit are linked. Yes. And God's spirit can communicate to you. And here's what God's spirit does. Write this down as number two. I love this. God's spirit bears witness with your spirit. Bears witness with your spirit. It's amazing. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Now stop right there. Because that phrase, bears witness, two English words, is actually a translation of a compound Greek word 
And that word is soon martyreo. The prefix soon in the Greek, I always tell you your Bible is originally written in Greek, the New Testament, then translated English, Spanish, French, whatever. But that phrase bears witness comes from that Greek word soon martyreo. Soon, the prefix means to come alongside of somebody. This is explicit. It means to get close to them. Martyreo then means to give objective evidence to that per- person. Objective evidence. So soon martyreo is very explicit. It means to come alongside of somebody, to get close to them, and to give them objective evidence. And specifically, write this down as A, God's Spirit presents evidence that you are His child. You see, God knows that you need to know one way or the other. And you need to know for sure. So to assure you, the Spirit comes inside of you as close as He possibly could get, not just outside, but alongside and inside. And he bears witness. He gives objective evidence. In other words, folks, the evidence is not some feeling. It's not an emotion. You can't trust your feelings. Your feelings are like this. God doesn't let you know you're his own, that you should be looking for some emotion or some feeling. To the contrary, he gives objective evidence. He gives observable evidence that you can see, that you can touch, that you can experience, so that you will know for sure you belong to him. In fact, write this down as B. God's Spirit presents two proofs in this text of a child of God. You want to know if you're a child of God? Here's the two proofs. Write this down as number one so important. Here's how you know. A child of God, a true child of God, responds to the leading of God's Spirit. A true child of God will respond to the leading of God's Spirit. Listen to the passage. For all who are led by the Spirit. Everybody say, all who are led by the Spirit. Yeah, they are the sons of God. Could God be any more straightforward with us? You want to know if you're a child of God? Here's all you got to do. Ask yourself, if your spirit responds to the leading of God's spirit, then you're a child of God. Transverse. If your spirit doesn't respond to the leading of God's spirit, your salvation is at best suspect. (laughs) At best. But you see, when you got saved, God's spirit came in. And he brought your spirit to life. And your spirit alive on the inside and God's spirit right there linked together. Your spirit is now able to respond to his leading. But that raises a question, doesn't it? If my spirit responding to God's leading is proof that I'm a child of God, how does God lead us? Does he lead us by some, you know, esoteric emotion? Is that what I'm to be looking for? Does God lead me by some ethereal feeling that I should have? That's how I'll know? Absolutely not. Again, God never goes for your gut. He never goes for your emotion. God reveals himself and God leads us. His spirit leads us. Always, always leads us through his word. The objective word of God. The Bible says, I love it. Psalm 119 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is how God leads you. This is how God guides you. Not by some feeling, but by his objective word. That same Psalm says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? I not sin against thee. The Spirit will always lead you, always lead you by His Word, never contrary to His Word. And folks, here's here's what I love. To enable you to follow the Word of God, the Holy Spirit gives your spirit a desire to follow God's Word. In fact, the Holy Spirit gives your spirit a delight in following the Word of God. In fact, Back up to Romans chapter 7. This is all in the flow of the context. In Romans chapter 7, we read this, verse 22. It says, for I delight 
I delight in the word of God. Where, where do I feel that delight? In yeah, in my inner spirit, my inner man. We have a delight. Listen to verse 18. For I have a a desire to do what is right, to follow the word of God. In other words, folks, when we read the word of God, when we hear the word of God, as children of God, there's something in us. It's in you. It's in me. It's in our spirit that desires to follow the word of God, that responds to the word of God, that is moved by the word of God. And listen, God gives us a desire to do that. And that means we don't follow the word of God because we have to. We follow the word of God because we, we want to. Because we want to. We don't follow the word of God because we're being made to follow it. We follow the word of God because we delight in the word of God. We know that what God has for us in his word is not to make our lives less. It's to make our lives more. It's to protect our joy, to protect our fun, to protect our family, to protect our future. We know that everything that God says in this word is for our good. And so for us, we delight in following his word. Amen? Amen. Listen, that delight and that desire to follow the word of God, that's a proof that you're really a child of God. You see, folks, just your being here today, you're here because you... You came because you want to receive the word, because you know you need to hear from God, because you want to be moved by God's word, because you want to respond to God's word. Just the fact that you're here today is evidence that you're a child of God, that you belong to him. But check this out. The spirit of God not only gives us a desire to follow the word of God, but listen to this. He also gives us a spirit of grief when we don't follow the word of God. Amen? He gives us a spirit of grief when we don't. In fact, I want you to back up to chapter 7 again. Again, this is all in the flow of the context. But I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. This is probably one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, a man of God. But I want you to listen to the lament of this man's spirit. Listen to what he says. Chapter 7, verse 15. Paul says, for I do not understand my own actions. Anybody ever felt like that in the room? Yeah, I have, yeah. Here's what he doesn't understand. He says, for I do not do what I want to do. In other words, Paul's saying, I want to follow God's word, but I find myself not doing that. And then he says to the contrary, but I do the very thing I Hate. In other words, he's saying, not only do I not follow the word of God like I want to do, but I find myself following the sin that I hate. And you know how he feels about that? Here's how he feels. Yeah. I don't know who said that, but that was spot on. Yeah. Verse 24. Here's how he felt. Oh, what's that next word? Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul was grieved about his sin. Listen, you ever feel that grief when you let God down? You ever feel the pain of, of guilt when you sin? You ever feel the pain of regret when you sin? Listen, when you feel that, that is your conscience. And that is the Spirit of God bringing pain to your conscience. Bringing the pain of guilt to your conscience. Bringing the pain of regret to your conscience. Why? Because that pain of guilt is like the brake pedal to say, stop doing what you're doing before you go on and destroy your life. Listen, the pain of guilt in your conscience is a lot like the pain of pain in your body. You know, you stick your finger in a fire... You get pain. That's your body's way of saying, stop doing that. If you keep doing that, you're going to destroy your body. Pain, in that sense, is a gift from God, right? It's the brake pedal to stop you from destroying yourself. Listen, the pain of, of guilt. Guilt gets a bad rap these days. But guilt is the brake pedal. It's God's way of, in your spirit, in your conscience, of stopping you from going on in your sin. And here's my point. When you feel that regret, 
when you let God down, when you feel like Paul, oh, wretched woman that I am, oh, wretched man that I am, when you feel that, that's proof. <laughs> that's proof. That's proof that your spirit is alive and that your conscience is functioning like it ought to. That is evidence. By the way, by the way, this is what separates us from those who don't follow Christ. This is what separates us from the rest of the world. Because you see, they don't feel conviction when they sin. When they sin against God, they don't feel regret. When they sin against God, they don't feel remorse. When they sin against God, they don't feel conviction about that. And here's why they don't feel it. It's because their spirit on the inside is dead. It's dead. It can't feel anything. Their spirit has no sensation of feeling, in fact, about sin. In fact, listen to what the Bible says. Ephesians 4.19. It says this. They, that is the lost world out there, they have become callous. You know what a callous is? It's where your skin gets to where you don't feel anything. So that's the way they've come. They become calloused and have given themselves up. In other words, no brake pedal, giving themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Does that not sound like the culture we live in? Just giving themselves up. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 4. Talking about those lost people again, it says, whose conscience is what? Seared. Seared. In other words, it's burned over. Their conscience has no feeling about sin. You ever wonder, you know, and, and I hear this so much today. People come up to me, you know, lamenting. They say, Rick, you know, how can our culture go this way? How can they do the things they do? You know, how can somebody take a baby in the womb and destroy it and kill it and feel no, no guilt over that? In fact, not only do they not feel guilt, they feel like it's my choice, it's my right to do this. And we wonder, how, how can they do that? How can they not feel regret and guilt? How can they do that? Or maybe, you know, you look at the culture and you look at TV today and, you know, the, the shows in which there's this explicit sexual, TV on the major channels, explicit sexual lewdness. And not only do they tolerate that lewdness, they celebrate it. They flaunt it in the face of God. This is Romans 2, folks. These are the sin that God says, I give people like that over to their sins. I give up on them. And we wonder, how can they do it? Listen, here's why they do that. There's nobody at home in there. It's void. There's no Holy Spirit in there, and their spirit is dead. We should not expect them to do anything less than sin. Unless we get all high and haughty and almighty, you need to remember that the only reason we follow God and righteousness is because our spirit has been made alive. The spirit of God lives in us, and he puts a desire in us to follow his word. They don't have that. And listen, what we need to stop doing is politicizing what they do and reach out to their heart. And because if we can get them to receive Christ as Savior, he'll change their heart. They'll want to do right. They'll want to flee from evil just like we do. But they can't do it without the Holy Spirit and without a spirit that has been brought to life. So how do we know we're a child of God? We love to follow God's word and we feel that grief when we don't. That's, a, that's how you know. Some of you should go, ah, now I know. Let me give you a second thing, though. Write this down as number two. I got to hustle. A child of God, a real child of God, responds to God relationally. That's right. Relationally. Listen to what the text says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Jehovah God. Nope. By whom we cry out, Yahweh. Nope. Is that what it says? No, no, stop right there. Because those are all that I just said, those are all the names of God. And we all need, need to know that God's name is so high and so hallowed, hallowed be thy name. 
and so holy that God actually only gives us the consonants to his name. We have God's name in the Hebrew part of our Bible, but we only have the consonants. We have no vowels. The consonants are simply yod, hey, va, hey. No vowels. And some people look at yod, hey, va, hey and say, well, that should be pronounced Jehovah. Some say, no, it should be pronounced Yehovah. Some would say, no, it should be pronounced Yahweh. Some would say, no, 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 it shouldn't be pronounced Yahweh, it should be pronounced Yahuwah. Folks, the ancient rabbinical, the ancient rabbinical writers said that it was an unpronounceable name. That it's almost like the sound of breathing. Breathing. But we don't know. But here's what we do know, and here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ never called God by his name. Never once. He called him God, but he never called him by his name. He always, always referred to, his, to God as his father. Jesus was the son of God, and as the son of God, he never referred to his father by his proper name any more than we would refer to our father by his proper name, but rather he called God his father. Father, and folks, here's the wonder, here's the wonder that I want you to miss. When you receive Christ as your Savior, he made you a child of God. He made you a daughter of God. He made you a son of God. And not only that, he now allows you to call his Father, Father. your Father. You get to call him your Father. Father. In fact, Jesus, when you said, when you pray, you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, my Father, my Father. And folks, the point is this. When we got saved, we did not enter into a religion. A religion is a routine. A religion is a a formality, it's a mechanical ritual that you go through with no emotions, you just go through it, that's, that's religion. We didn't enter, we entered into a relationship with God, where God is our father, and we are his sons, we are his daughter, and God loves us, and he is involved in every aspect of our daily life, like any father would be, but infinitely, infinitely more. Therefore, we do not treat God as some religious relic. We don't compartmentalize God to some day of the week and some place and go there and go through some ritual and check God off and move on without him. That's religion. God is our Father. And because of that, we know him personally. We know him relationally. And listen, that relationship that you feel as God's child and he's your father, that's the proof. You don't have religion. If you got religion, again, your salvation's suspect. God calls us to a relationship. But folks, a relationship gets even more special, especially when we're hurting as God's children, especially when you're hurting. Listen to what the verse says again, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we, what's those next two words? We cry out. Everybody say cry out. Everybody say cry out. Yeah, we cry out, Abba Father. Now that phrase, cry out, krazo, in the original Greek, it literally means to be, to, to, to have an overwhelming emotion where you, you cry. And it's even translated to scream out. To scream out from the depths of your being. To cry out in fear. To cry out in pain. To cry out in sadness. To cry out in utter despair. This is a painfulness, of, a pain that is so, so heavy that, it, that you feel like you're sinking into depression. What you need to know is when you feel that way, child of God, God is so moved by your sadness, so moved by your fear, so moved by your grief, that he says when you feel that way, you don't have to cry out his name. You don't even have to cry out Father. 
you can cry out what? You can cry out, Abba. Listen to what he says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Abba Father. Everybody stay with me because that, that word Abba, that's Hebrew, it's actually Aramaic. And it is a term of intense endearment between a father and a child. If we were to say this in English, it would be like saying instead of father, it would be saying daddy. If we were to say it in Spanish, it would be not father, but it would be papi, papi. And so when we call out to God when we're hurting and pain, we're not crying out to some detached deity. We're calling out to our father who is saying, you can call me daddy when you feel that bad. You can call me poppy. You can call me Abba. <laughs> Folks, how more intimate could God make it? This is a child crying out, not to father, but to daddy. This is me crying out, not to my mother, but to mama. To mama. You know, I was thinking back on that movie, Saving Private Ryan, because there's a scene in that movie where this young boy is dying. You may remember this scene. His, his life's blood, he's been hit, and he's, he's been blown up, and his blood is actually just pouring out of him. And as his life is f- just fleeing away from him, he's laying there, and his friends are, I was going to show it, but it's just too, yeah, too graphic. But his friends are trying to stop the bleeding. He's a medic. The kid that's dying is actually a medic. And he's trying to tell them what to do to help him. And they're just throwing dust on him to try to stop the bleeding, anything to stop it. And he tells them to roll him over. And when he rolls him over, when they tell him what they see, he starts screaming, it's my liver, it's my liver. And he knows he's dying. And then he quietly, as he's fading away, he begins to call out to that one who brought him into the world. He begins to call out to that one who rocked him in the cradle, who loved him as a child. And he doesn't cry out, mother. He cries out, mama, mama, mama. See, folks, that's us and God. In the normal part of our life, we respectfully call him father, But when our life hits the bottom and we have no one else to turn to, we call out to the one who formed us in our mother's womb. We call out to the one who knows us better than anyone in the world. We call out to the one who died for our sins and he says, when you get to that point, you can call me daddy. Just like a son calling out to his mother and saying, mama, mama. You see, folks, the point is this. A true child of God knows God relationally. Does that make sense? He knows God personally. We know him. And you see, this is what God is after with us. You need to understand, when God brought you into the world, when God made the decision to give you life, he didn't bring you into this world to have religion with you, where you go through some formality, some ritual. That's not what God had in mind. He brought you into this world where you would have a relationship with him, where you would love him and he would love you, where you would walk with him, he would walk with you, where you would know him and where he would know you personally and intimately. That's his goal. And a true child of God knows the Father. Paul the Apostle said, oh, that I may know him. And you want to say, Paul, didn't you know him? He was saying, I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him personally. That's what we have. We know him. It's interesting. In Matthew 7, 22, Jesus said to this about lost people who don't know him. Listen to this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Can we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Verse 23, and then will I declare to them, I never, what's the next word? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, mind you, Jesus will not be saying to those people, I didn't know about you. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Of course, he knows about them. What he's saying is I never knew you in a relationship. Yeah, you may have had religion, you may have went through a formality, 
but I never knew you relationally. You are not my child. You don't belong to me. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You see, the point is this. The evidence that, that we're a child of God is not religion. It's not keeping a bunch of rules. It's all about that close relationship of father and son, father and daughter. Again, Paul said, oh, that I may know him. That's the proof. You know, it's interesting. The Spirit here doesn't take us back to an event in our life. He doesn't say, now, you need to go back to that moment when you trusted Christ as your Savior and look at that moment. He doesn't say, go back to that event where you were christened or baptized and and check that out. That's the proof. Listen, when I got saved, that was so long ago, I can hardly remember it anymore. The Spirit doesn't call us that. He brings us to right now and says, what is your life now like? That's the test. It's observable evidence. What is the evidence? Here's how you know. A true child of God will respond to the Word of God. We'll want to follow it because we know it's best for us. We'll grieve when we don't follow it. Just those natural impulses of being a child of God. And we'll love God in a relationship where He knows us and we know Him. He knows everything about us and still loves us and still cares for us. That's the evidence. That's why that passage says in verse 17, and if children, then heirs of God. See, that's the question. Are you a child of God? I want to close with this verse. 2 Corinthians 13 says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Your life is on the line. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? You know, six years ago, I went in for that test to see if I had cancer, and you know what they found? I did. In fact, I had stage three, which is bad stuff. But folks, I was glad to get the news Not that I had cancer, but I was glad I had the news, that I had the information. They had done the test, and they said, you have it. But the good news is there's this thing called chemotherapy, and we can go in and save you from it. And you know I went through six months of chemotherapy. It wasn't fun, but I came out, and I licked it, and I've been six years saved from cancer. Listen, maybe you're here today and you're looking at the test and you're saying, Rick, I don't, I don't think I have what you're talking about here. I don't actually love God's word. I don't follow it for sure. I don't feel any grief when I do. And I really don't have a loving relationship with God where I walk with him and he walks with me. I love him and he loves me. I don't have that. But here's the good news. You can receive that today. You can fix this today. You don't have to wake up five minutes in hell and realize it's too late. You can fix that now. You say, how do I do that, Rick? The Bible says this. It's so so clear. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone, that means you, no matter who you are, no matter what you may have done, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do you get saved? You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to become religious. It is relational. God says all you have to do is call upon him. When you call upon him, he'll take up his residence in you, and he'll begin to change your life. But it begins by calling on him as Savior. Why don't you do that today? You can do it right there where you're seated. In fact, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our campuses. If you realize you need Christ as your Savior today and you want to ask him into your heart, why don't you pray right there where you're seated? You know, you might be saying, well, Rick, I don't don't know what to say. What do I say? Well, listen, let me help you. You pray this prayer, but not to me. You pray it to God because he's listening with all of his heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. And thank you 
for being willing to make me your child. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. And so right now, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive all of my sins, my past sins, my present sins, even the sins I haven't committed yet. Wash them in the way, away in the blood of Christ. And Lord, I ask you to give me everlasting life. Make me an heir to eternal life. Lord, thank you for your mercy, for your kindness. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Lord, may I from this day forward spend the rest of my life following you, loving you, and being loved by you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're glad for all of those who prayed that prayer to all of our campuses, let's give it up for them. Yeah. Now listen, for all of you who prayed that prayer, listen, I want to ask you to do something now that's a little tougher. You receive Christ as Savior. You have eternal life that can never be taken away from you. But I want to, take, I want to ask you to do something going to take a little bit more courage. You see, one of the things we love about our Jesus is he loves it when we let other people know that we love him. I always tell you, I wear this ring to let the world know that I love Rhonda. Jesus loves it when we let the world know that we loved him. So for those of you who just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. Just a, just a second. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And all I'm going to ask you to do is on three is to raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer, just to raise your hand. This will be your way of saying, I love him. He just made me his daughter. He just made me his son. I'm a child of God. I have eternal life. Yes, I love him. I want people to know about that. So Christ Fellowship, if you're pulling for those who prayed that prayer, that they'll have that courage, would you let them know it at all of our campuses? Yeah. So let's all stand together. Let's all stand. I'm going to count to three. And Christ Fellowship, you, after the service, those people who raised their hands, let them know that you're excited for them. So here we go. If you prayed that prayer on three, you raise your hand. You ready? One, two. Ready? You prayed that prayer. Raise your hand. Three. God bless you. Wow. Wow. So many hands. God bless you at all of our campuses. Listen again. Christ Fellowship, those who raised their hands, you let them know that we're welcomed into the family of God. Now, I want to say something to all of you who raised your hand. Listen, this is so important. You're a child of God. Amen. Nobody can take that from you. Amen. But when you walk out those doors at all of our campuses, you're going to walk out into the world, and Satan's going to start trying to get in your head and talk you out of what you did. Don't let him do it. Expect it. Expect it. Amen? Amen. And here's how you fight that off. Pray every day. Just talk to God and read your Bible and be back here every week that you're in town. This is where you receive the Word of God. This is where your courage to keep on walking and keep on following Him all the way to eternity. So let's all be back next week. Well, Christ Fellowship, I love you all. I'm going to ask all of our campus pastors to come forward now. God bless you. I love you all.